Amen. So glad to see all of your faces. Meet some, I met some new people today. Uh, man, it feels like it's been a busy, busy week. I will, uh, this afternoon, while you guys are enjoying the Lions game, I, it's like an oxymoron, uh, enjoying the Lions game. Um, I'm going to be doing my third wedding in eight days. So I'm in like a wedding mode. All of the COVID weddings got shifted to the fall. And uh, so it's just been a great time of just celebrating just new life, new marriages, and uh, just fantastic. It's such a, such a stinking honor. Um, also, this week I get to celebrate. She's not here, so she can't get embarrassed, but she's probably watching live at my parents' house. So I'm going to wish my daughter a happy 21st birthday this week. So that's a big deal. So close to empty nest. So close. If you have your Bibles, just kidding. Not really. Just kidding. Um, Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. As we wrap up this series. And every time I do a character series or even a series on a book of the Bible, I, I rarely feel like I was able to scratch the surface of the particular subject, topic, book, because there is so much depth to the scriptures. I love God's word. I love diving in on a daily basis and learning and growing. And if there's anything that you have noticed over the past few years, and if you looked at my future series board for, the, for really the rest of this year and the up and coming t- uh, 2021 year, which we're all looking forward to 2021, um, just to get out of this year. But uh, you'll see that by... One of my biggest desires as pastor is get, to get us deeper as a people, as a faith community, deeper in to the scriptures, to be men and women of the scriptures, to let your children, your, your, your teenagers, to be young people of the scriptures. Absolutely. Um, this year, I, I love the fall for numbers of reasons. Uh, one of them is because of treasure hunts. Do you guys have treasure hunts? Some of you are looking at me really weird. Okay, let me clear it up. It's when you put your coat on from the previous year and you find stuff in the pockets. And you're like, a $5 bill. How could I have lost cash? Or um, sometimes I find uh, like a pen, like I've got certain pens I don't ever loan out, I don't let anybody take. Um, And I find pens that I've been missing for like a year or like nine months, Um, find random stuff. I find sunglasses, I find gloves. I get mad because I thought I lost a great pair of gloves and I find my gloves that have been sitting there for nine months or so. Because something about your fall jackets, you wear them and then you put them away, then you go to winter jackets, you don't touch the fall jackets for a while and it's just a whole treasure hunt. So um, some of you uh, young people here, I would, if, I, if I were you, go home, check all the pockets of all of the coats before mom and dad checks them because you just never know. Um, and it reminds me of a moment when um, my parents, they wanted to do this big clean out of, of our home of just old clothes, coats, things like that, trying to decide what to throw away, what to donate. And I remember um, for some reason in our mobile home, I had the largest closet um, before my sister took over that room because she needed more closet space. So I had that, and my parents utilized half of that closet for a lot of the fall and winter stuff, and they decided to go through all of that. And so my mom says, we've got to make sure we check every pocket. And my dad says, watch this. And he pulls out a $100 bill, and he sticks it in one of her old coats just in in the pocket. And so, you know, everything in me, I'm very dramatic, I know, blew your mind. Very dramatic. And I am just, I'm like itching at just, I'm cleaning the room, and and, I'm like, Mom, just go after the black coat. Just grab the black coat. And finally, she grabs the coat, and she thrusts her hands in the pocket, and we all know the feeling of cash. And to watch her face go, (gasps) 
she pulls it out, she goes, oh, my worst. Now, understand, I grew up in staunch, conservative assemblies of God. I did not go to any dance growing up at school. I never went to homecoming, never went to prom. We did not have dancing at our wedding. But I'm telling you what, my staunch, conservative assemblies of God mom danced her butt off in that moment. And so we're all laughing and I'm like, mom, dad put it in there. She goes, well, it stinks to be him. And she walked away, left us to go through the coats and she just went shopping with her $100 bill. When I think of the coats, when I think of the things that we go through, uh, we tend to find stuff that's there that has not been accessed in a while. And what's amazing is these things that are holding some treasures, holding some simple things, whether for me it's sunglasses or a pair of reading glasses or a $5 bill or the pen or whatever it is. It's amazing, if I were to just access it more, I can actually discover the treasures that are in there. And when I think about us in a prayer life as believers, um, as believers, your prayer life was never meant to be a parachute that we use in case of emergency, but in fact, it's something that we ought to access because if we would access prayer, and if we would be men and women of prayer, and I believe in praying before your meals, that's great and that's wonderful, but I'm talking about having a consistent prayer life where we can understand and unlock the treasures of heaven in our lives. And if I people say to me quite often, like, man, it seems like when I pray, things happen. I'm like, you think? You're communing with God. You're having communication with God, and it's there that we, it's not about going and getting your things and your to-do list from God, because I don't believe that we go to God for God to change things around us. I believe we go to God and we let God change us, and it's from the change within us that God begins to change the world around us. Pastor, my home needs a miracle. Great, go to prayer and let a miracle happen in your life and watch your life become a miracle to the people around you. And that's Daniel. Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel had rhythms to his life, and we know that because when we read in Daniel chapter one, that when he was captured by an invading kingdom and he was taken to another kingdom, that he resolved to not eat of the king's food and drink of the king's wine. Um, because he had a certain rhythm to his life. He had certain standards, certain convictions into his life. And now when we get to Daniel chapter six, uh, we know that he is over 80 years old, Daniel chapter six. Some of you, you're thinking to yourself, your Sunday school teacher lied to you years ago. Why are you thinking that? Because when you had the flannel graph and the story of Daniel in the lion's den, that you saw this young man being thrown into the lion's den and, and he put his head on the lions and he went to sleep and you have the first story of the lions losing. That's... Man, serve that up well. I'm so proud of myself. And they have Daniel working his way out, but he always looks so young. But Daniel was over 80 years old. And yet what we're going to learn from the story of Daniel chapter 6 is that Daniel, he had rhythms as a teenager and had rhythms as an older senior adult. And those rhythms drove his life. He had spiritual routines that helped pave the way for miracles to happen in and through him. So let's look here, Daniel chapter six. It says, Darius the Mede, now stop right there. Last week, if you were with us and we learned about Darius was the, the Mede person that came in and invaded Babylon, killed the current king and Darius took his place. He divided the kingdom into 120 provinces and appointed a high officer to rule over each province. We're gonna stop right there. Um, 
there is a specific term that's actually used here, and some of you, your translations say satraps. What a satrap is, is a kingdom protector. They were a kingdom protector, administrators, and Daniel was one of them. This man was full of wisdom, full of wisdom, full of grace, full of the presence of the power of God. Verse two says, the king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interest. Verse three, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all of the other administrators and high officers. And because of Daniel's great abilities, the king made plans that placed him over the entire empire. Go back one chapter and the king recognized Daniel's greatness and put him as number three over the kingdom. Another king sweeps in and as he begins to survey everything, he sees such an anointing, a touch on Daniel's life that his plan is to make him over everything. But in the face of God wanting to kind of lift you up in the face of God wanting to help escalate your influence, know this, is that every time that God wants to give you kingdom influence, the enemy wants to come and knock that down. He wants to discourage you. And here, while he gets promoted, there are others around him that aren't so happy with it. But I would submit that Daniel experienced this his entire life, multiple kings, multiple leaders. You look at the common denominator amongst the kings that he served in. Daniel was the common denominator and he was constantly rising into influence. He's rising into places where he can actually shape Babylon. He can shape the people around him. Why? Because he chose to put God first. And we've said this so often in this series that putting God first helps determine everything that follows. When you put God first, it determines everything that follows. It's called living out your faith. You put, so I've had people say, well, I'm trying to get this shaped up before we come back to church. And I'm not talking about COVID. I've heard this for the past 11 years as pastor. Well, we're trying to get our lives shaped up before we kind of get back into the church thing. And I'm thinking, and I, my conversation is this, that sounds like a good plan, but it's actually backwards. And it's not about getting you back in the church, it's just getting you into a relationship with Jesus because when you put God first, it determines everything that follows. And you walk in that way and it orders your life and it begins to put things in the proper perspective. Look at verse four, verse four is awesome. I hope you're an underliner when it comes to your scriptures. The other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handing, handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Underline that. They could not find anything to criticize or condemn. Could you imagine a political climate where you had a politician that you could not criticize or condemn anything? Mind-blowing. Here it is. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Underline those three things. That could have been its own message right then and there. We could have preached the whole service on that. You want a life verse in your marriage? Write down this in your marriage. We need to be always faithful to God, always responsible with what we do, and completely trustworthy. You want a life verse for your family? Write that down. We are gonna be faithful to God, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. If you want a life verse for your workplace, if you're a boss, and the way that you wanna conduct your employees, this is a perfect, perfect verse to speak over them and to help train them and to mentor them, to be faithful, to be people that are constantly responsible and trustworthy. Daniel was more, he knew that the, the gospel 
gospel or the good news or the knowledge of who God is, it, was, it had to be something more than an idea. The gospel is only an idea until we begin to live it out, and this is Daniel. The gospel, it's great, it's wonderful, it's good news, but it's only an idea until you and I begin to live this thing out, and that's what we see in Daniel for 80 plus years. Let us never be a people that have a thought about the gospel or simply believe it on the inside because James would tell us in the book of James that faith without works is it's dead. And I don't want a dead church. I want a live church. And I don't want to be a people that live in a conception of what Jesus is like. I want to show the world what Jesus is like by letting people see Jesus in me before anybody else. So Lord, help us to be faithful, responsible, and completely trustworthy. So verse 5 they began to look for grounds to accuse him. And so they concluded that our only chance of finding grounds for ac accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius, brown nosers. We are all in agreement. We administrators, high officials, um, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now your majesty issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked, so the king signed the law. Of course he signed the law. 30 days, nobody can pray to anybody but you. I mean, this guy is on cloud nine. He's like, this is the best law of all the laws. People get to worship me. People get to look toward me and they have to cast aside everything else. And I love it because it doesn't say that Daniel went on Facebook and posted about it. He didn't write a blog about it. He didn't go on Facebook Live. Is, I don't know, Periscope still a thing on Twitter. He didn't go on, on, on Instagram. He didn't do anything. You know what Daniel did? He did exactly what he did every single day in every situation he went to prayer. He didn't react and respond before he simply went before the Lord in prayer. Look at this, verse 10. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down, underline that word, as usual in his upstairs room with its windows op open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day, and underline this, just as he has always done, giving thanks to God. Look at that, as usual, just as he's always done. Daniel is the model of consistency in the life of a believer. There's an old song, man, I'm not sure how old the song is, it's called Dare to Be a Daniel, I love the lyrics, it says this, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make it known. Dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make it known. This is Daniel, knowing that what, he's about, that what he does every single day has been outlawed. Pastor, aren't you afraid about the laws that are gonna be made against Christianity in America? To be honest, no, I'm not. Because the government will never dictate who we worship, or even how we worship. And if they did, can I encourage some of you today that have written me some notes of fear about what the government were gonna do to worship? History has proven that every time that, that the gospel has pressure, do you know what happens? The gospel explodes and goes everywhere. Pressure makes the gospel live. 
And honestly, it makes us come to grips with what we believe. And this is the challenge here is will we listen and worry about an empire and what the empire is gonna say or do? Or are we gonna dare to be a Daniel, dare to take that belief that we have and begin to live it out and put it into action? And I love what he does. He goes up to his upstairs room and he opens up the window toward Jerusalem. Now that's a big deal. That's actually a huge deal because it was Solomon that says this. If your people go out where you send them to fight their enemies, and if they pray to the Lord by turning toward the city you have chosen and toward this temple I have built to honor your name, then their prayers from heaven will uphold their cause. Why did Daniel go toward the window that faced Jerusalem? Now, Jerusalem is like 900 miles away, but he went there because of what Solomon had wrote, is that when your people are away, and if they face you, if they face the temple, face where your presence is, guess what, I'm going to hear them. But the problem is, is so often is when problems come our way, we actually open up a window towards something else. We'll open up the window toward the news. We'll open up the window towards some friend. We'll open up the window towards something else, towards social media. And we're here to open up windows that, that kind of feed things into our life instead of stopping ourselves and saying, listen, I'm going to do what Daniel would do is I'm going to face my life toward the presence of God and begin to seek his face because if I will seek his face, he will answer me. So opening a window for Daniel was more than just him going to a window. It's like, oh, I happen to face Jerusalem this day. It was more than that. It was a, it was a place of intentionality and action. The intention, I will face Jerusalem. I'm gonna face the presence of the Lord. And, he, in, the, and in this church, we talk about physical responses. Uh, many of us in the, in the room will lift our hands in worship. Um, there are times I find myself dropping on my knees in worship. When I go into prayer, um, I like pacing when I pray. I will walk back and forth across the altars, or if I'm in the prayer room, or if I'm in my office, I like pacing. I, I like putting to action what is taking place inside, because I believe that when we put a physical response to an inward decision, it solidifies something in our life. And I love that Daniel, when it came time to prayer, he intentionally positioned himself to face the direction of the temple where he knew the presence of God was, and it's there that it got down and he prayed. I love the physical intentionality about him. It reminds me of the days of old where um, farmers, whenever, whenever they were plowing and they had cattle or horses pulling the plow, what they would do is, so they would have straight rows, is they would find a spot far off and they would fix their eyes on a point to keep the row straight. And some of us, if you want to keep your life straight, keep your knees bent on the ground in prayer and keep your life focused upon who Jesus is. And not just in that, but in the consistency. Daniel was consistent with his routine. I love it. It says, he went up to pray just as he's always done. He prayed not because times came and he was troubled. And it's where a lot of people will go to prayer just when they're in trouble. But I love Daniel. Daniel prayed when he was in trouble, but he also prayed when he wasn't in trouble. When Daniel was being promoted throughout, throughout Babylon, it's, he was still going to prayer. But yet I know most of our lives get full. They most, our schedules get full. But what happens more often than not is we begin to sacrifice our time with God for the sake of a consistent schedule. And I would challenge you to reverse it. Get your life consistent with God and let your schedule 
flow out of that. Two things I would say this. Number one is this, is inconsistency kills intimacy. Inconsistency kills intimacy. Often in counseling or in messages and emails, I, I hear constantly, Pastor, I just don't feel as close to God as I used to be. And, I, and one of the things I just start asking about is this. Well, talk to me about time with the Lord. Talk to me about your prayer life. Talk to me about your time in worship. And honestly, it's very rare that I would say, tell me how often you come to church. Because honestly, we live and are the church throughout the week which means we need a consistency. I love having you guys here on a Sunday morning. I love having you all sign in on a Sunday morning, but we need to be serving Jesus, not just on a Sunday morning from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock, but we want to serve Jesus day in and day out and have a consistent walk with him. And inconsistency will always kill the intimacy. I've seen many marriages where the intimacy is being squashed. And some of you are thinking, well, sex and intimacy are the same thing. It's not the same thing. I'm talking about an intimacy between two individuals that lives day in and day out. And when you have an inconsistent communication or inconsistent connection, inconsistent dating life, and, and yes, inconsistent sexual life, when you have the inconsistency in the marriage, you begin to see the intimacy depleted. And it's the same thing with God. And so I wrote this down this week. If you sacrifice consistency in your relationship with Jesus, you not only start to miss God, but you begin to miss the work he is doing on your behalf. When we have inconsistency with God, we not only miss God, well, we, we also begin to miss out on all the things that he's doing on our behalf. And you may not understand it. You may not believe it, but I'm here to tell you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you don't always have to see him working to know that he is working. And I celebrate that when I look behind me and they say that the hindsight is 2020. 2020 is kind of a tough word to say right now, but hindsight, you've got better view in your hindsight, but I'm telling you, I can look back and I can begin to see, God, you were moving when I didn't see you moving and you were shaping things when I didn't even know that you were there. He is constantly moving. He is constantly working. But when we have an inconsistency in our walk with God, we can tend to miss him in the moment and we miss seeing how he's working. And we sit and we wonder, God, where are you? I love this word out of 2 Timothy 2. It says, if we are unfaithful, he remains, remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. When we are unfaithful, he is still faithful. I'm here to tell you, you can be unfaithful to God and God will still be faithful to you. God is still faithful with his grace. God is still faithful with his promises. Why? Because he can't deny who he is. And he's always working, but if we don't spend time, if we don't take the mantle of Daniel and spend time tuning our ears to his voice, we will miss when God speaks. I love when people come to talk to me about what God is speaking into their life. And then I get calls and I say, Pastor, can you give me a word? I want to give you, I would love to give you a word, but let me let, you, let me let you know this. God wants you to get a word from him. He wants you to seek him. I believe that every single one of you, you've got the spirit of God in you and you can hear from God just as much as Pastor Dave can hear from God. In fact, some of you, God has given you ears to hear that I have yet to hear with and he wants to move in that way. And the way that he wants to move is through Consistency, because secondly, consistently, consistency brings us close. John 14, Jesus says, the old school ways, abide in me and I will abide in you. Uh, a newer translation would say, remain in me and I'm going to remain in you. Stay connected. 
Don't treat God like a quick chat. Like he sends you a little text and you send him the thumbs up. Anybody else get annoyed with a thumbs up right back? That's why I send people tacos because you can't get mad at a taco. Instead of the quick chat, God wants the divine life-giving connection. In fact, write this down. Consistency is the key to close relationships in our everyday lives and our spiritual lives. You want to heal your marriage? Create consistency. You want to heal the relationship with you and your kids? Create consistency. You want to walk closer with God? Create consistency. It is the key to unlocking intimacy in your spiritual life. And I love that when it came to the consistency of prayer, that Daniel had this routine. Because Daniel understand the direct connection between, between results and routine. We want results. But I've learned this quite often in our lives that God wants a routine. We wanna see God do this, but often God wants to grow this. And that is usually the goal, is establishing some sort of routine. There's a quote uh, by uh, an author. I, I mentioned Eugene Peterson last week. I'm a massive Eugene Peterson fan. Eugene Peterson simply says this, a phenomenal theologian. In order to be effective, prayer has to be the first thing we do, not the last. And if you don't like Eugene Peterson, then think of the, the great theologian M.C. Hammer who said, we've got to pray just to make it today. We have to have this modus operandi of prayer and being consistent. And Daniel, so he goes to his room and he just goes to prayer just like he always did. And so verse 11, the officials went together to Daniel's house and they found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king to remind him about his law. Did you not sign? You gotta hear the snottiness in their voice. Did you not sign the law for the next 30 days that any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den alliance. Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It's the official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man, Daniel, one of the captives of Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. What a bunch of jerks. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he began to think of ways to save Daniel. And he spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of the predicament. And in the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no law the king signs can be changed. And so the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and to be thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, May your God, whom you underline this, serve so faithfully, rescue you. I love that. Even the king knew the consistency in Daniel's life. And may the God that you serve so faithfully, may the God that you serve in your life, inside and out, behind closed doors and in front of everybody, may that God save you. And those words to me speak volumes about Daniel. 
In fact, I wrote this down this week. Who we are behind closed doors is the best predictor of who we will be in the light of day. The strength and the integrity that we read of Daniel, remember what they said, that he was faithful, he was accountable, he was a hard worker. Um, this, this type of man that he was, was the direct results, the consistency outside was the direct result of the consistency who he was behind closed doors. Even when people were spying on him, wondering, is he still the same guy that we've always known him to be? He was faithful. He was faithful. As musicians come, and just trying to join me out here, my challenge to us today is that we, we need to be a people of habits. You may say, well, pastor, I thought we were supposed to be a people of hope. Hope is good. I want you to be hopeful. I, I, I believe every single one of us need to be hopeful, but I'm here to tell you that hope is not a good strategy. Hope is a good vision. Hope is a great vision, but hope is not a strategy. That's, hope is like an architect. Habits are the strategy. And we need to be a people of hope, but we have to have habits that line up with that hope and consistent habits that build the life. That's more, we've got to do more than come in here and just simply worship and proclaim the hope that we have in Jesus. That's great, but we live 99% of our lives outside of this. And we need consistent habits. I think it was, it might have been John Maxwell. I can't remember. If it's not, then I, I'll say I made it up. Um, someone said this. I find we have uphill hopes, but we have downhill habits. We have uphill hopes. We hope in Jesus, but we won't change anything in our life to be more like Jesus. You want to be more like Jesus? Let me give you something simple to do today. Oh, let me think of something. Pray. Have a consistent prayer life. Jesus had three and a half years of ministry on this earth. And you can read over and over and over. Start off with Mark chapter 1. And you'll see that he had a consistent life of prayer. He knew what it was like to have intimacy with the Father. And I'm telling you what, if Jesus needed a consistent prayer life, let me just say, it's probably safe to say, you and I need a consistent prayer life. We need it said of us. May the God that you serve so faithfully. God, let people say that of Dave Berenger, not Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave is a title. Let God say that of this human being, that whatever you're going through, may the one that you serve so faithfully show up. Let our lives be marked in such a way that says this, that they are faithful to God. You know, I love for people to say that I'm a good husband or that I'm a good dad or that I'm a good pastor, but I think that's all secondary. I want people to see that I was faithful to God because it's out of being faithful to God that I can be a good husband and be a good dad and I could be a good pastor. And that's the priority list. Look here, verse number 17. Let's wrap this sucker up. Uh, let's scoot back a little bit. Now, verse 17, the stone was brought to the, and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed the stone with his own royal sea, seal and the seals of his nobles so that nobody could rescue 
Daniel. I love, I love, I love when people write off the people of God and, say, and they say, where is your rescue coming from? We can go through scripture after scripture of people who seem to be on their last leg. They were down to the, their last breath. In fact, when I read about this verse right here, verse 17, and a stone was brought over the mouth of a den. I remember 2,000 years ago, there was a stone rolled over the mouth of a tomb and people said, where is your God? And the king returned to the palace and spent the night fasting, refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at night. And very early the next morning, he got up, hurried down to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the Most High, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you? Look at that. The faithfulness was evident. And Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in your sight, and, and, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. And he was overjoyed in order that Daniel be lifted from the den, and not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in God. I love this. Was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to save you? God, I'm here. The thing that was meant to devour me has been shut by the hand of God. So often we open up a window and we give so much attention to the thing that is devouring us. But what if, what if, instead of opening up our focus and our attention to the thing that is devouring us, we in fact turned and we focused upon who God is. That was Daniel. The title of the message is Open a Window. Some of us need to close what we have been focused on for too long. And I listen, there, there are legitimate threats against us. Listen, I understand what maybe a doctor has said. I understand what the bills are saying. I understand what people have said. I understand what the politics are saying. I understand what the culture is saying. But so many times is that we give so much focus to that and then we all of a sudden toss a token unto God. But what if we close the window and we begin to open up the window? I was a mime in college, so I had to get the whole mime thing going on. What if we we open up the window to God and we begin to seek his face and begin to focus on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we had this consistent walk. I promise it doesn't stop these from happening. The lions didn't stop being lions. But guess what? They were stopped from doing devouring Daniel. What if we gave our focus to the Lord? I promise we wouldn't be, feel so devoured because we know whom we serve, we know in whom we trust, and we know who is with us because the same God who we face is the same God that can shut the mouth of the thing that is trying to devour your life. You know what the scripture says? is the enemy, he rolls around like a roaring lion, but the key word is like. Guess what he's not? He's not a lion. And he wants to devour you, but guess what? He can't because we've got a God that we face, that we can lift up our window, we can lift up our, our, our life and our focus and say, God, I look to you. Some of us need to close the windows that we have opened that have been shining in our life and start opening up our lives to the Lord. There has been a deep work of intercession in my life over this past COVID. I, I've just been seeing God transform my life in the area of prayer. And so what I'm gonna challenge you to do is on the first Wednesday of every month, I'm gonna be in this room from seven to 7.30. You wanna join, great. This is probably the last time you're gonna hear from me about it. But maybe in your homes from seven to 7.30, would you join me on your knees? 
Would you walk your neighborhoods and pray? Would you seek the face of God? I'm calling this church, this community to be a people faithfully, consistently serving God in the area of prayer. I had a young man that was in my youth group for, for a number of years and he moved out to California and he calls me up and says, Pastor Dave, I'm gonna be starting, I'm gonna be starting a church and I'm so excited for him. And he's just so stoked about the start of church that he started last February, six weeks before COVID. And he says, Pastor Dave, tell me the story of K first. What did you do to really get yourself ready to pastor? What did you do when you first started pastoring? I said, bud, I, honestly, I don't know what else to start off with prayer. I said, I sent the people. The people went to prayer because they had to put up with a guy that youth pastor for 12 years that never pastored a day in his life other than teenagers. I went to prayer because I was pastoring a bunch of people that I didn't know. And he says, that seems like the secret sauce that every pastor says. I said, what do you mean? He says, the secret sauce is prayer. It's the secret sauce. He says, he says, and it confirms everything that we've been doing. We've been trying to plan. We've been trying to do this. He says, but we've had to keep coming back to this place of a consistent prayer. Because if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, God says, I will hear from them. And I believe that we're gonna see mountains move. COVID will not have the last word. God will have the last word. I believe God's gonna shut the mouth of the lion. The politics aren't gonna have the last word. And we're, gonna have, we're gonna have a week of prayer and fasting leading into the election and a week of prayer and fasting after the election. Why? Because we believe that, that the election is gonna come and go, but God will always have the last word. Regardless of who's in the White House, God is going to have the last word and we are gonna take and shut the mouth of the devourer and we're gonna see God rise and miracles them. Book of Acts, they said signs and wonders followed them that believed. It didn't say signs and wonders showed up in the service. We don't need them to happen here as much as we need to happen in Pfizer and Stryker and Portage Northern, Portage Central, in homes and in neighborhoods. Meyer, most of all, goodness gracious, have you shopped in Meyer lately? Trader Joe's and all these and everywhere else. We're gonna be a people of prayer and cry out for miracles. Would you bow your heads with me? I've yacked long enough. Spirit of God, Spirit of God, we wanna see miracles take place. We wanna see lives restored. We wanna see breakthrough take place. We wanna see the captives set free. We wanna see people healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, and Lord, we just, I think so many of us just expect you just to show up and we can just sit as, as spectators. But Lord, you're calling us to be a Daniel, to be people willing to open up a window and to fix our lives and to fix our face toward your direction and begin to call upon your name and begin to serve you faithfully. And Lord, your promise, Lord God, is that if we pray, you show up. And quite often you show up and we don't show up. And half the time, I think that you are nowhere close to me, God, but it's many times I've just moved away from you. And Lord, I just say, God, do a new work of prayer and intercession in this church like never before. I pray that you would raise up a level of consistency and intimacy between us and you, God, that we begin to see the face of Kalamazoo changed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're here today, I just feel led, heads bowed, eyes closed. Just let's create some privacy in this place. If you're here today, and I just feel led, I know, I know what song the worship team is gonna sing, and I just feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to say, if you're here today, 
And maybe you feel underneath pressure. Maybe you're feeling like a Daniel moment here where you're under pressure and you need a miracle in your life. And I don't know if there's a physical situation, a spiritual situation. I don't know if you're just feeling a lot of pressure in your life and the climate of the culture right now. I don't know where you're at, but that word pressure keeps coming up in my heart. And you just need a miracle to take place. Maybe you feel lost and you're not in a relationship with Jesus and you need God to bring a miracle in your heart. You feel distant from God and you just need a miracle. If that's you, would you just stand right where you're at? You need a miracle in your life. Just stand right where you're at. I don't care where you're at or who you are or what you've gone through, what you're facing. We've got people in the balcony standing, people on the main floor. You just need a miracle. And if you need that miracle, would you just get into yourself into a posture of prayer and just hold your hands out in front of you like this? Almost as if to say, God, I'm giving you my burden. And God, I open up my arms to you, asking you, Lord, to give me just an answer. Give me your presence. Give me your peace. Give me your health. Give me wholeness. Give me soundness of mind. Give me strength. Give me comfort. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray over these individuals that the miraculous would happen in them. Lord, like Daniel, who went to a window pointed toward the place where he knew the presence of God was, today we fix our faces like flint towards you, asking for the miraculous. Lord, I pray that there would be miracles in hearts and marriages and homes in Jesus' name. Miracles in bodies in Jesus' name. God, I pray that for those that feel empty, I pray for baptisms of the Holy Spirit to take place in hearts and lives today. Jesus name that Lord that not just this place this building would be a house of miracles a place of miracles but that our lives would just exude that you are the God of miracles we pray all of this in Jesus name in Jesus name